Honestly, our best episodes are the unprepared ones. These notes are like so ridiculous. This is me and my mom talking. Oh my gosh. And it's like all over the place and awesome. Welcome back to the Catholic Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Jean. Today, we have a very special guest with us today. Elizabeth Werner is here to help us talk about our topic. How are you, Elizabeth? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great, doing great. With me today, I have Matthew Newman. Hello. Matt Henry. Good morning. And Alex Harrison. Hello. Bart, sadly, was not able to join us. He's on his way back to Chicago, so pray for some safe travels for him and his dad. They're lovely people. Also, before we get going, I just want to give a quick shout-out. I promised Lisa that I would shout-out her parents, Anthony and Teresa. They are very big fans of the podcast, and I got to meet them briefly at Lisa's senior recital this past week. And so just want to say, hey, guys, keep listening, keep sharing, and we'll hopefully give you some good content to listen to. Now, moving right into our topic, today we have Elizabeth Werner on because we want to talk about, oh, Oh, Opus Day. <laughs> and yes, I've been working on that joke for a while. Sorry, it's not that great. <clears throat> but Elizabeth, so Opus Day, it's, well, I don't feel like a lot of people know even where to start with Opus Day. Um, so why don't you s- tell us where should we start with Opus Day and why are you an expert on it right now? Okay, well, um, both my pa- parents are uh, members of Opus Day. Um, and I've grown up around the center in Valparaiso uh, my entire life. Um, so I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I do know a lot about it. Um, and I am very passionate about the work that Opus Day does. Great. Yeah. And you're definitely an expert on this podcast, at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can guarantee that. But w- does one of you guys want to start us off with a question for Elizabeth and we'll get this going? We're kind of thinking doing this a Q&A style, guys. I will start. What is Opus Day? Okay. Excellent um, question. Yeah, no, that was a good one. All right, so Opus Dei, um, it literally means the work of God. That's what it translates to. Um, and it was started in 1928 by St. Maria Escriva, um, who you might have known because uh, he wrote The Way, The Forge, and The Furrow. Um, he's awesome. I love him. Anyway, so uh, the Opus Dei is pretty much bringing God into your everyday life. Um, it's how lay people um, were able to sanctify their daily work. Um, so when it was first started, St. Maria actually had like a divine intervention. Um, and when he was on a retreat, he was praying and had the vision of what Opus Dei was going to be. He realized that at that time, it was before Vatican II, and the lay people didn't really have a place within the church. So if someone was feeling a call to holiness, then they pretty much had one option, and that was to religious life. So for St. Maria Escriva, he realized that there was a lot more that needed to be done um, for everyone else, because everyone is called to sanctification, not just people that are religious. So he believed that um, Opus Dei was a way to bring that sanctification into the daily lives of people that are married and also single vocations as well. Awesome. And both of your parents, I believe, are both Opus Dei, right? And is 
is your whole family Opus Day, or how is that? Are how you, does that work? <laughs> yeah, how does that work? Tell me. <laughs> so, okay, um, <clears throat> Opus Day is not, um, it's not an order. It's actually called uh, personal prelature, which is a new thing. It's been, um, it's kind of like a canic canonical sorry structure where like the pope is the head and then we have a prelate um who is nominated um of course the first one was saint jose maria escriva and then after him followed his best friend um so we are actually on our fourth prelate uh, which is very exciting his name is monsignor fernando and then i'm going to pronounce his last name wrong because i always do um Ocaris? Ocaris? i can't anyway um so my parents, the way that it works is you can have married members, which are called supernumeraries, and then there's single members who are just numeraries. Um, and obviously, you don't just go in and then you become a numerary. Um, <laughs> you can go to um, evenings of recollection, um, which are kind of like it's a reflection with a priest of Opus Dei because we do have priests that are members of Opus Dei specifically and they help with our spiritual um, formation for all the people within Opus Dei. Um, yeah, so my parents, my, actually it started, my parents are both converts. They were both Lutheran um, before they became Catholic. My dad actually found the faith here at um, St. Paul's, so that was really awesome. Shout out. Yes. Um, so it's really cool being here because, like, this is where my dad found his faith. Um, but when he was married to my mom, um, they lived near Chicago. and Sorry, they lived in Chicago in a suburb. And he went to a pickup uh, football game with, like, church buddies. Um, and he met a member who uh, said, hey, do you want to come with me to an evening of recollection? I see you at daily mass, and I feel like you'd like this. This is really awesome. Um, so my parents, my dad went, and he was exposed to what Opus Dei is. And um, later, he invited my mom. Um, and she went, and she was like, this is what I've been looking for. Because it was a way for her to get formation while just being a mother. Or, and it's not just, of course, for mothers and fathers, but um, for people that have decided to live a single vocation and still be in the workforce. So you're working, but how do you sanctify your daily work and become closer to God while you're working and being a mother slash father? Yeah, and I think that's the really interesting part for me always about Opus Day. You've got this, you're in the world, you're present in the world, doing your work, going to whatever your job is, regardless of whether you're a company CEO or whether you're a janitor or whatever, you're living that out and you're trying to sanctify it. And I think that's a really cool thing. So first off, congrats to you and your family on, on all of that. Thanks. Um, I actually have a quick question to cut in. Yeah. I was wondering if you knew about Jose, St. Jose Maria Escriva. Is he, was he a lay person when he founded the order? No, he's a priest. So what, do you know what order was he from? Um, I do not from? know what order he was from, unfortunately. Okay. You can look it up. Um, <laughs> but no, he was in Spain, obviously. Um, if you watch uh, There Be Dragons, it is his story, and it's awesome. Um, <laughs> so you should out, definitely watch that movie. It's really good. Um, I've watched it. It is in Spanish, I think, in their subtitles. But it's okay. It's really good, okay? You're going to get through. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't know. Alex? <laughs> 
I'm trying to find out. I we'll think that he was just a diocesan priest. We will come but. back to what order St. Jose Maria Escriva <laughs> might have been from. But speaking of orders a little bit, you mentioned that it's not a specific religious order per mm-hmm. se. It's um, a personal... Prelature. Prelature. Thank mm-hmm. you. Words are hard in this in this studio. I agree. Um, we mispronounce <laughs> things all the time. Bart's dad called me out on it today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's important to ign- to talk a little bit about like particular charisms. Okay. Um, are there particular things in Opus Day that they try and do to sanctify their day? What are some of your guys? What are some of the practices involved in Opus Day? Are there specific prayers or like types of devotions that are popular? Yes. Okay. So. Um, for people that are members of Opus Dei, um, there's a few things that they do normally. Um, every week, you have a circle. It's kind of like what we have as a small group, um, where it is led by other members, and um, the members talk about a specific topic. Um, my mom is a supernumerary, so she's she's my parents have been members for 30 years, over 30 years, so they've been doing this for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so it's really cool because... Um, not only are there like just higher up people that are making like talking about topics, but everyone um, takes rotation on speaking about a topic. Um, so that's one thing that they have every week. Also, usually after their circle or before, they meet with a um, a numerary who is a single vocation, um, and they have what is called spiritual. Um... Wow, I lost. Director. Yes. Spiritual director. A spiritual director. And um, they talk about their struggles and what they're going through and how they can work on themselves, right? Um, And, of course, they do have a prayer that they say every day, which is actually really beautiful. Um, I didn't know what they were doing when I was a child. Um, My parents both do it. It's called the Pray Chase. And um, it everyone in the member, like everyone that is a member of Opus Dei says this, and that's, you know, 90,000 people across the world in 66 countries. So it's really beautiful um, because everyone says this together, and it is kind of like a unity thing um, where they pray for the Pope, they pray for the prelate, um, they pray for their bishops and priests, of course, and, um, you know, the other members as well. Um, Another thing that they do um, is mortification, and I know that you guys, we were talking about that a little bit, um, <coughs> where mortification seems like a bad thing in today's world, um, but it's beautiful. And uh, it's not some taboo thing where it's, it's bad. <laughs> I mean, mortification is the, one of the centers of our Catholic faith. Uh, Lent, for example, we do a mortification when we give something up, right? And instead of just having it um, during those 40 days, um, members of Opus Dei have mortifications daily, and that way they could stay in unity with Christ and offer up their daily work um, silently, of course, because just like in Lent, we don't want to make it known what we're doing, um, but they silently um, will give something up. They will choose not to get sugar, um, something sweet. They will, you know, help a child out instead of doing what they need to do right at that moment, um, so that's big and, of course, family life. Yeah, and I think what you talk about with mortification, like giving up sugar or like maybe not having butter with something, I think mm-hmm. that's a really key thing because we have this concept of mortification like from bad interpretations called the Da Vinci Code. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, where we, yeah, please, guys, it's a, it's a horror. It's not accurate. It's no. really not. Um, but in that, like, we have this really bad idea of mortification is this is just like super punishing like and like harmful to your body. But mm-hmm. like, the way you describe it, like mortification is this 
so just something it can be something small but it can be something that we give up and mm-hmm. for the for the work of God for the greater glory mm-hmm. and the the thing that I think you're touching on as well the reason why da Vinci code um, occurred <laughs> let's talk about that um, <laughs> the reason why this was so misconstrued is because it started with the single vocations in um, opus Dei. so St Odes and Maria realized that you know they're not going to have um, these spontaneous mortification um, options because they don't have children. They're, some of them are not in the workforce. And so they're mostly in centers working side by side, and God is always present. They have chapels and Jesus there. So they won't have as many um, opportunities to have mortification. So there were things that they would do, and this still happens today, but it's not something terrible. Um, they and Just like if we were to wear a scapular and it's made out of wool and it's a little itchy, right? Um, and it's a mortification, you know, and we can't constantly think about it a little bit. But they also had something as well. They had like a little band that they wore around their thigh, and it still occurs today. Um, and it's not digging into you or causing you to bleed, any of that crazy you know, extremes that some people believe, it's just itchy and annoying. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's an irritant um, so that they can have a mortification in the day as well um, so that they can, of course, sanctify themselves. I think so. all of these mortifications are important not only to, like, um, make up for any harms you may have done to God, but also to just exercise that control over your animalistic desires to show that you're a spiritual being in in addition to your animal nature. And that is exactly the point, is to show that you have control um, and to, yeah, how are you supposed to get like that control in other sins, of course, if you've never practiced? So it's like little tiny ways of practicing your control over yourself over sin, right? So it's it's really a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really key because we have this, um, I mean, there are different parts of scripture that refer to it, like if you if you sin with your right hand, cut it off and whatnot. Like, and but how can you do that if you've never practiced any discipline at all? Mm-hmm. And so, like, when we say, "Oh, mortifications are bad," or we have that kind of concern, then it's like, and then you just always give in to like the good, like, and it is good, like eating food it can be good, like mm-hmm. drinking can be good, but like in moderation, because mm-hmm. when you give too much, when you don't have discipline, um, you can't. You can't control it when it can, when it becomes time to do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, it's funny. My mom, I uh, have, and that's the other thing about the mortifications that they do. These spiritual mortifications are really unknown to everybody, um, so you don't like really share, except maybe with your spiritual director. Um, but my mom, for example, she always. I thought she loved the end of like the loaf of bread. I thought that was her favorite part of the bread, <laughs> and so I always made sure that if she wanted a piece of toast, I would make her. The end of the bread. Little did I know that that had been a mortification her entire life. Like, this entire time. She, you are mortified. <laughs> exactly. So it's little things like that. Or when I called her today, um, she was working. And she paused her working because she was like, it's a little mortification to speak to you because it's for the greater good. So it's little things that you do on a day-to-day basis that you offer up. And in that offering it up um, to God, you are... Doing it for, uh, um, you can do it for, of course, a intention. Thank you. <laughs> An intention, um, if that be for your family, your friends, um, just for the world, right? And so imagine how many times my mom and dad have done those every day for 30 years and think about all the 80, I'm sorry, 90,000 people that do this. Um, imagine how many intentions and prayers have been offered. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wish everybody did, right? 
So you just kind of like went into how this is how this has kind of played into your life as well. Like I know your your parents are the ones in it. Like you're not yet, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just curious if you could go more into talking about how like this spirituality has how the, it's affected your spiritual life and also just like your siblings and how that's all played into it. Yeah, um, I actually do have um, family members. Um, I'm the youngest of eight. Okay, just so everybody very knows. Catholic. <laughs> very Catholic. Very Opus Day also. There's very <laughs> big families in Opus Day. Uh, it's really, really fun when we all get together. Um, but, yeah, so I'm the youngest of eight. Um, so I think my growing up is a little bit different than some of my older siblings. But um, faith and prayer has been always a huge part of my life. Um, my parents, they pray one hour every day. That's a part of the Opus Dei life as well is, you know, reading um, scripture and preparing your day well so you have God in in your mind while you do your work, right, which is exactly what Opus Dei is all about. So um, for us, we, we learned from a young age to say our morning prayers, our nighttime prayers. We said rosaries as a family. Um, my parents go to daily mass, and so I accompanied also, especially when I was homeschooled for a year, my sister and I. Uh, so we would go to daily mass and go to the center of Opus Dei with my parents. Um, they go at separate times, but I would go with my mom. Um, and so that was, like, instrumental. The movies we watched even. Like, it's just like we would always watch the uh, – there's, like, these Christian movies that they would get in, like, a large box, and it would be, like, all these Christian Catholic movies, and we would watch those all the time. So, like, it just played into every aspect of our lives. Um, and the idea to offer it up. Um, something that I've heard from the time I was little, just just offer it up. It's okay. Um, any little inconvenience, um, you know, you're tired, you're thirsty, you can't get food right now. Why don't we offer it up? Um, what can we do that for today? Why don't we do it for, you know, somebody that we love that passed away or things like that? So that's little ways that it's influenced my family's life. Um, yeah. I was also wondering, with uh, especially with these more formal um, prayer sessions that you have in Opus Dei, mm -hmm. is there a specific uh, charism involved in that? Mm. Not that I know of. I, uh, for me, I'm not a member, um, so I would go to her circles inside the room. There's like a room that they have their circles in. When I was little, um, because I was little enough to be with her. But when I was older, I actually stayed in a different room while they had their circles. So I have not um, been to a circle for a very long time. I'm actually going to them this summer. I'm really excited. They're doing like a, a uh, Catholic for, uh, you know, university students that are coming home. So we're trying to get a group together to go, like, to have circles um, and little meetings. But for me, I'm not 100% sure. They do have um, specific prayers that they say um, just out of um, tradition of course. Um, but, yeah, that's about as much as I know about that. You would have to ask my mom, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah, and now I think one thing I kind of want to bring up, too, like we've talked about how a lot of us don't know a whole lot about Opus Dei, mm -hmm. and we have these misconceptions. Da Vinci Code. <laughs> um, but how can we learn more? How can we educate ourselves? What what movies, what books, what, mm -hmm. what do you recommend as someone who's – like gonna like join a summer circle um, with other university students and whatnot, and who has family in Opus Dei, mm -hmm. how can the rest of us learn more? Um, first of all, opusdei.org. Just go on it. Um, there's the history, what we do, what you know, like all the aspects of Opus Dei are explained on there very easily. Um, 
And for circle-wise, um, we actually don't usually go to a circle unless you are a member, but there's evenings of recollection, um, which is like a mini retreat. Um, and in that, we have a priest of Opus Dei who leads a uh, meditation with usually like two meditations. We have the Blessed Sacrament there. Um, and um, yeah, you have adoration afterwards or before in the middle <laughs> you have adoration um and so you have these two meditations and you can get to know the people and you're of course at a center usually or it could be somewhere else at a church um so that is one way to get exposed um yeah definitely opestate.org <laughs> of course um the books by saint jose maria escriva the way um would be a great thing to just read um yeah, the way is excellent. It's all broken up point by point. It's an excellent, easy read, and you can just pick it up, put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend it myself. Um, and also something else. Um, for members of Opus Dei, they go on a retreat in course every year, which uh, the retreat is usually a weekend, um, and I've been on one myself, and anyone can go. Um, so even if you're not a member, you can still go on a retreat um, at one of the centers and experience what it's like. There's also silent retreats, which I've partaken in, and it was really wonderful. Um and it's really awesome because these priests of Opus Dei, they have a special vocation in that they're trying to help with spiritual formation. And so in confession, it's a little bit different with uh, priests of Opus Dei in that they give you a lot of advice. Um, they really, and it may not be the most conventional confession you've ever been to either. Um, I've had some priests where they have asked, um, like, what are you reading right now? What are you, what, what, what have you been doing lately? Um, so it's, it's a beautiful thing to get spiritual vocation i mean formation from your priest um in the confessional as well so that's really awesome um like i was saying um my parents also go on a course which helps with um you know just like when we need to go on a retreat just to get that fire right um they do that as well great i really think we have some good content here and we will provide some links to a few of these resources in the description for this episode also, we'll provide a link to the Criterion article about Elizabeth Werner, uh, just to embarrass her a little bit. <laughs> but Thanks. thank you all for joining. We're going to try and put together some podcasts over the summer, but this might be your last one for a little while, so just please bear with us as we figure things out. We'll be praying for you all over the summer, and uh, have a happy and blessed feast day today. We're recording this on St. Athanasius's feast day here on May 2nd, so pray to St. Athanasius for some intercession from the Lord. Thank you, everyone, and God bless. Cool. And this has been a Catholic discussion. <laughs> I was waiting for, I was really <laughs> no, don't get upset last time. <laughs>